Well, hello, everybody. It's Thursday, the 13th of October, as we record this. Everything is moving very quickly at the moment, so the dates are important. And today, Robert is here and John is also here. As you know, these podcasts, we talk about events which are affecting global stock markets, bond markets, and we also talk about relevant subjects which are affecting our industry. We live in very interesting times. There's no doubt about that. A couple of weeks ago, there was a run on the bond market and the Chancellor withdrew one or two of his tax cuts and that shored up the the bond market. Interestingly, though, the 30-year gilt is now uh, yielding 4.8%, which is nearly as much as it did a couple of weeks ago. So it would suggest that the problems haven't gone away. What are your thoughts, John? I think there are two, there are two aspects to what's gone on in the bond market. Firstly, you had the budget, which uh, with unfunded tax cuts, I think you were, you were cruising for a bruising if you were prepared to do that. I think the whole 40%, sorry, the 45% top rate was was a bit of a sideshow in terms of yield and borrowing costs. It was a political problem, really, rather than an economic one. But um, it's the whole package of unfunded tax cuts that's the problem. But there is another, another side to it, which is that the run on the bond market was from pension funds who have been doing this, this LDI, liquidity-driven investments, which seems to me to be a a euphemism for we've borrowed a lot of money secured on our guilt holdings. And then, of course, they get margin calls. So there is a ticking time bomb in there. Pension funds really, in an ideal world, shouldn't be borrowing money, should they? Or maybe, to be cynical, we could say that perhaps we could say that those pension funds, if that's what they're doing, they're underfunded. Could I ask you to explain for the listener what a margin call is and maybe explain for me, actually? It means that if you've borrowed money and it's been secured on another asset and that asset is falling, then you are going to have to repay some of that money in order to uh, reduce the amount of money that you now owe, i.e. the lender is saying, I've lent you X, secured on on something which happens to be on guilt once that collateral then starts to fall in value i want to see you repaying some of that money so that we get back to where we started and of course you then get a kind of doom loop going on where guilts are falling in price so then they have to sell some more which means that the weakness in guilt prices gathers steam for technical reasons, uh, which makes the situation even worse. So now you have to solve some more. And that was really why the Bank of England had to step in. I think it was always the case that sterling would have fallen on that budget and you probably would have seen some weakness in guilt prices. But the real action was the fact that pension funds were getting margin calls on their guilt holdings and and therefore you ended up with this technical selling that otherwise wouldn't have happened. Or to put it another way, if those guilt were held in pension funds that had no borrowing, there would have been no issue because you wouldn't have had to make any margin calls, which is perhaps a a long-winded way of saying that pension funds should not be indulging in this kind of nonsense. 
That's a very good point. A is what's called, I think, the perfect storm, and B, you're absolutely right. I just cannot get my head around the fact that pension funds have been in, indulging in this sort of stuff. To my mind, and I'm sure everybody else's mind out there, pension funds were supposed to be, you know, the rock-solid guys that um, were investing for the future to pay off future future pensions, and guess what? It's all gone horribly wrong. Well, you know, management industries like Robert, you know, it's always trying to get um, a quarter out of a pint pot. Yeah. I think the other thing which is quite interesting is that if you wind the clock back 30 or 40 years, then the gilt market was a lot more liquid. You have now got changes in regulation. So there are a lot of forced holders, perhaps, of gilts. And, of course, you've got the Bank of England, which, in our opinion, has printed money um, by buying bonds. So I think the Bank of England owns about two thirds of the gilt market. So the free float is fairly small and therefore very volatile. Yeah, I'm not quite sure it's as high as that, but it's certainly significant. So really, if you have a central bank that has been conjuring up resources out of nowhere to buy sovereign bonds, where does supply and demand really meet? Maybe that's what we're now finding out, which is why you've got um, 30-year money going out to um, nearly 5% redemption yields. So, John, what do you think that means for people with pensions? Maybe the difference between a public sector pension, a company pension, or even a, a SIP or a, a, a personal pension? These LDIs, as I understand it, uh, are being applied to corporate defined benefit pension funds. I mean, the bottom line is, if you're having to sell assets to meet margin calls, in reality, you haven't got sufficient assets in, in those pension funds to deliver the accruals of your workforce it's that simple so whoever is standing behind those corporate pension funds i.e companies uh, ultimately i would say are going to have to put more resources into those pension funds so if the company can do that it will of course we all know that there are some companies who you know look at bhs and the rest who are not able to do that and then they'll end up in some sort of pensions lifeboat but um it's not a good thing is it when these things happen i mean the bottom line is they're going to have to take more funding i can't see that there is any other way of doing one of the great advantages of sips for people where it's appropriate is that you know exactly what is in your pension and where we manage sips we have not bought any bonds for the the last 10 years so you aren't being affected by what is going on and what could continue to be going on. It, it does appear to me that it's a, almost a slow motion crash and one of the most predictable crashes in the fixed interest market. Why would regulation allow this kind of stuff to happen? It really is very obvious what could happen under certain circumstances. It's a way of, I hesitate to use the word funding because borrowing is involved, but maybe operating is a better way of uh, describing it. it. It's just not a sensible way of operating uh, a defined benefit pension scheme. It's that simple. I do think that if those in charge, whether it be the Chancellor, the Bank of England, the regulator, don't get this together fairly soon, then I think the UK is going to end up being a poster child for financial illiteracy. The same nonsense that's been going on for the last decade and a half, it's been going on throughout the Western world. The only thing I would say about the UK is that a combination of events have sparked this over the past two or three weeks. But the same underlying nonsense, the same underlying money printing, the same 
underlying unsustainability of so much that has been going on over the last 10 or 15 years. It's, it's everywhere. It strikes me that the main solution is going to be increasing interest rates. And as we said at the beginning of this, it's mid-October and interest rates are two and a quarter percent. And the market is suggesting that uh, by the beginning of next year, interest rates could be four and a half percent, which obviously is double where they are at the moment. Yeah. And yet it's barely half of the um, however you want to define inflation. It's only half of what inflation is. Yeah. If you go back, say, over the last, I don't know, 100 years plus, you might find that a fair average of real interest rates is maybe 2%, i.e. if inflation is, to pick a number, 8%, you might expect bond yields to be something like 10%, i.e. a 2% uplift on what you've just said. If you've got bond yields of around 5%, but inflation's around 10%, I mean, the, the cart really is before the horse, isn't it? So... Um, that's another way of saying this. There may be a long way to go yet if if you really are intent on clamping down on inflation. I have a feeling that when push comes to shove, central banks and monetary authorities um, and indeed governments will not be quite as keen to do that. And therefore, I suspect the inflation will be allowed to um, just continue. It's also a way of, of relieving the real value of the crushing debts that all Western nations now labour under. Yeah. So potentially further pressure on bond prices, which will affect people's capital. And of course, inflation will be eroding the remaining capital away slowly. And it's worth bearing in mind that a lot of people own bonds through cautious managed funds, through various instruments out there and now might be the time to have a chat and see whether you really want to be invested in fixed interest investments for for, um, the next few years because there might well be better alternatives. I wonder if you could tell the listener about these so-called cautious managed funds that by way of example about how much they've fallen in the last year let's say. Yeah I mean some of these uh, funds have fallen. Some of the corporate bond funds have fallen by 25%. Um, some of the cautious, cautious managed funds have fallen by equal amounts, if not more in, in some cases. I mean, there is such a variety of funds out there. And obviously, it, it is dependent at whether you are short-dated fixed interest investments, long-dated fixed interest, a mixture of them, index-linked. But in general... Our view is very straightforward. We like to be able to see under the bonnet. We like to be able to see the equities which we hold. And unfortunately, with a lot of these blended funds, you do not know what exactly what you hold. And the industry pushes people towards de-risking as you get older. I personally don't agree with that. I own Nestle shares. I want my son to inherit those Nestle shares. Those Nestle shares have paid a dividend for 150 years through people eating Kit Kats and drinking coffee. I think that will continue. It's one of the biggest companies in the world. I do not want bonds because bonds will ultimately be eroded by inflation, however small inflation figure may be. So what you're saying really is that cautious managed bonds aren't quite as cautious I'm sure they're very managed, but they're not quite as cautious as they might be perceived to be. 
Again, Robert, we have discussed this before. We've spoken to a lot of people. And when you and I started working 30-odd years ago, when you set up a trust, you had a wide range and narrow range in a lot of circumstances. The wide range was for equity-based investments. The narrow range was low-risk fixed interest investments. And over the last five, seven years, we have said that those low-risk investments, in our opinion, now have a higher risk attached to them than the equities in certain circumstances. And unbelievably, those circumstances seem to be unfolding slowly in front of our eyes. The point is there are two sorts of risk. There is default risk, which is, will that bond repay? Well, if it's a sovereign bond from a country like the UK, the answer is pretty definitely going to be yes. But then there is a valuation risk, which is, Have they been driven to ridiculous lengths by QE and the artificial reduction of borrowing costs by all major central banks? And the answer to that is yes. So once people confuse, is the borrower going to repay with, has the price been driven to ridiculous lengths? You've got a ticking time bomb and um, it's just exploded. To put that into numbers terms, let's look at the 30-year 4% gilt. At one stage, that was over £200 for every £100 of stock, because that's how they're valued. That was earlier this year. Again, at one stage, they were 85. So you have lost 60% of your capital by holding that investment. There was madness around at the time. There were $15 trillion of government bonds around the world, which had a negative yield. We said and said that that just couldn't last. And suddenly that bubble has burst. Duncan, I think you need to get with the programme. Don't you understand? I'm going to go and buy some tulip bulbs now. Ah! Oh, yes. I think I'm right in saying that in, was it 1619 in the tulip mania, it is documented that uh, somebody exchanged an Amsterdam townhouse for two tulip bulbs. You know, this is, this is perhaps a similar kind of thing. Maybe I should go and buy some gilts and see if somebody in Amsterdam wants them for their townhouse. Can I ask a question about House builders, the quoted prices of house builders, for example, the price of persimmon in 2021 was £31 a share. It's currently £11.44. Do you have any views, John? Well, we we don't buy house builders because once in a blue moon, they have an existential crisis. I'm not saying they're necessarily going to have one now, but I do think all the maybes could be stacking up. So you've got rising interest rates. If people's borrowing costs are about to double and perhaps more, you've now got an issue about how many houses you can sell, how many people can get mortgages, and what's the value of the land on your balance sheet truly worth? Those are questions that I don't want to even contemplate answering. And while you can have very extended cycles like we have had, And you might have a great 10 years. But as you've just explained, just look at what's happened to that company's share price. And we're just using that as an example. I suspect you're going to find similar movements on other share prices. But I don't want to have to predict when the roof's going to fall in, uh, if you pardon the pun. That's why we, we stay away from those kind of 
businesses. They can have wonderful rooms where everything looks fine. But when it all really starts going south, they are businesses that potentially can have question marks over their very existence. Now, at the moment, they've got cash on their balance sheet, um, or a lot of them have, so they may be able to weather it. But who knows what the true value of the land that's on their, on, or in their land bank as I say, it, it's there are other questions I'd rather be asking of other companies. And we much prefer to have businesses where they can do what they do on quite a quite a quick cycle. So, you know, Duncan keeps talking about Nestle. So, you know, they get the chocolate, they get the wafer, they get the packaging, they make a Kit Kat, they sell it, you eat it, it's gone. Um, we don't really like to be involved in businesses where their cycle of manufacture, selling, all the rest is too long. So really, it's an admission that I am not clever enough to know when sectors like house building are going to go through these existential uh, problems. I don't think many other people um, are clever enough either. So it's a little bit of a lottery from time to time, what's going to happen. And I'd just rather ourselves in the position where we actually have to contemplate this stuff. Yeah, thank you. So this week, we have discussed a number of topics. We've had Duncan telling us, quote John, uh, that he talks ad nauseum about Nestle. And there's a reason for that, because it's a damn good company. We've had John predict how the the housing market's going. We've discussed pensions. We've discussed interest rates. And we've discussed how Dutchmen uh, bought in centuries gone by houses in exchange for tulips. There we have it, a large gamut of topics. So if you want to hear more about these interesting subjects, Please tell all your friends. And if you want any explanation about maybe some some topics that are a bit technical for you, just give us a ring. Pop us an email. We can talk you through it. This material shouldn't be considered as advice or an investment recommendation. You should consult an advisor regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority prior to making investment decisions. All investments carry a degree of risk. The value of any investment or income received from it can go up as well as down and you may not get back the amount invested. Information recorded within this podcast was accurate at the time of recording.